Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live.
Welcome to the Waterman Files.
We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. We are at the brink. We are at the brink. You are not alone. We are in this together. You are not alone. You are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. We are in this together. Ground crew, we or you and I are not alone. And uh, we're in this together, aren't we? Welcome to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you from deep inside the castle. We're getting used to having a board that actually will not fade on us. One of our ground crew members made it possible for me to have a new mixer. It's being used tonight. I've got all the levels adjusted best I know how. Uh, there's a little problem. It's got a warranty. The little LED lights that tell me what channel's on or not on is uh, not lighting up. So I saw that was a problem on uh, YouTube, and so I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm thinking they're going to fix it. And this person was very kind in getting me an extended warranty. So we've got all kinds of bullets in our gun to get this thing down and the nice thing about it is, is everything works, except the little lights. But does that mean it's not working? No. And does that mean anything? Yes. This is a lot better quality, folks. I haven't got it tweaked yet. Just make sure that if you cannot hear something that you let me know. I've got it all set up. I tried to get the levels on a little test uh, prior to the show today, and I'm glad that... Uh, Oh, man, am I glad we've got this. I was always struggling trying to, in the last show, you probably didn't know, but I'd unplug my mic, wait, turn everything off, plug it back in, put the charge the preamps and blah, 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 and then the energy would come back into it, and then it just kind of fade off. Till I just, But not this one. It's going to be okay. Yay. Thank you, ground crew. And that person is very much appreciated. I uh, never tell who that is. I never do that. But I just want you to know there was a very wonderful um, gift to the program. Welcome to all the listeners. And uh, I see many of you. There's um, Nevada. And, um, another one that's saying something very interesting. But anyway, it's in Virginia. And then there's an unknown here. That's in one chat room. Gobs of other listeners in them. And we are streaming live from the castle on freeconferencecall.com, which you can get the link that actually works now. You can click on it. And uh, did I update today's dates and everything on the broadcast? Well, anyway, it's there. Uh, I don't know. Did I do that? 
Oh boy, lots of go lots going on today. I thought, um, no, I didn't do that. Hey folks, today's Waterman Files broadcast is not for yesterday. It's for today. Those pictures of Hillary, just let them stay up there. But if you go down to the links below, the players for TalkShoe, the phone numbers for TalkShoe, they're working. The link and phone numbers to the free conference call systems, they're working. I thought I changed this. I am so sorry. Lots going on trying to get ready today. We were up and at it uh, 14 hours ago from today, this moment. And today, well, it's the 15th of June, 2016, and you're listening to The Water and Files. And uh, what is it, the 160th some odd days in occupation of 2016, some horrible occupation number. Hey, we've got a lot of information tonight. This is going to be hopefully enjoyable. This can be grueling. It can spawn lots of discussion, which is good and healthy. But today is very important. And by the way, uh, our food warehouse not mine, the ones we rep for. The warehouse in Nevada has now started their own freeze-drying. The chef has upgraded the quality of the ingredients because now everything is done from beginning to end. Instead of a contracted, it's their private Thrive owns their own private freeze-dry facility, and they have upped the quality So they're having a Thursday tomorrow. They're having a special sale because their new freeze dryers are up and running and they want you to be the first to try a higher quality food on this. And you can make a purchase and it's got a little combination of things. It's going to be free shipping. So, yep, you're saving some money on that. And you'll be the first to taste the new improved tomatoes How can they be improved? It was pretty tough because they were already high quality, right? But they're better. Butter, nut squash, cauliflower, Granny Smith apples. And basically, folks, there's less stems and waste, and it's all perfectly done now under controls. that are Their intention is to be the premium food provider. This is not buying... You can get entrees. Don't get me wrong. You can get entrees that are already pre-mixed, and they just revised those, and they're wonderful. We've been trying them. Every one of them I've liked. The ones before, I didn't all like them all, but now I like them all. And I can't understand. Uh, we're going to be seeing more organic, more organic stuff. Okay, that's going to be great. So you can call or go to the website, simplyyourfood.com. Phone number's there. Avail yourself of the sale of the new things that are being pushed out the door under a complete control, high quality. By the way, the chef, there's a chef at Thrive, and it has to, all the stuff has to pass his scrutiny, both from the supplier, origination of product gets examined, passes the mustard, then it goes into the process of, uh, you know, being uh, put in a can, and he watches the step, tests it every step of the way. So it's uh, something that I think you'd be very interested in doing. And folks, all of us can't do this kind of thing 
there are just some things that you can't do yourself, like freeze, uh, like uh, powdered butter. You know, if you can can butter, more power to you. Uh, there are a, a bunch of other little things like yogurts that'd be kind of nice to have. You know, so that's the neat thing is to have some special items, even if you're prepping and know how to put up stuff yourself, and you can just kind of tweak your, you know, storage needs. A lot of people use this stuff on a regular basis, like the celery. How do you, you know, save celery? Well, you can get it freeze-dried. Okay, we have uh, today... Uh, the thing that I promised you is the, uh, we're going to go through the tribulation. Now, before I go through the biblical portion of it and uh, talk to you about it, and I just got a, a message, uh, am I on? And uh, yes, I am. And I, you know, some people have trouble with um, the uh, talk shoe stuff. It doesn't, pop up as soon. But there are two players, or you can call in either one. So just remember that. The numbers are right there. So before we get into this passage called the Tribulation, which I've been talking and talking about, now we're just going to get into it, is I want to talk to you about three Bible studies. Um, Bible studies have to have some grounding in how do you apply them, right? I mean, you can read it. Sometimes you get kind of overwhelmed. You know there's a New and Old Testament, but beyond that, what do you do? Well, let's talk about just three basic applications of Bible study before we start. There's just three of them. They're applications, okay, when you read. There's the historical application, the historical application means this, that the history of the Bible is accurate. There's nothing messed up. There's nothing wrong. The things that it says happened, happened. So we're not talking about conjecture. And if it's a fable or a parable, the Bible says the parable of It'll tell you. Now, the next application is inspirational. Now, many of you know that it says in Scripture that all Scripture is good, you know, for rebuke and blah, 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 blah. It's All of it's good. All of it is good to inspire us. The Old Testament inspires us. But do we and are we supposed to sacrifice bulls? in a temple anymore? Nope. So when it says go forth and, you know, kill a bull in the temple, that may have been historical, but it doesn't apply to us. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So there are things that are inspirational that may not apply to us today, but that isn't talking about whether it's true or not. It's talking about meaning that the entire Bible can inspire us. I mean, literally, can't you go to a a coffee shop and somebody writes something on a napkin and it can inspire you, right? Like, make America great again. 
That doesn't mean it can't inspire you just because it's in some portion of the Bible written to somebody else that's not, um, you know, you. Um, the last is the third application is doctrinal. Now, what does doctrine mean? It means teachings. It also means that it's something that you put into practice. And so what does that mean? That means you no longer have the doctrine required to sacrifice bulls, so you do not do that. That's not a doctrine to us. So there are doctrines. So some things have been doctrine to certain times in history that are not doctrines today. Now, that means then that we have doctrines that we must learn that are teachings for us to apply and practices that we put into uh, our daily lives. So we have three things. Historical, it's all true. Inspirational, all of it can inspire. And doctrinal, but not all of it, is doctrine for you and me today. Doesn't mean that that passage that isn't doctrine for us can't be good for us. Of course it can. It can inspire, inspire us. We're inspired by the fact that they used to have to kill bulls, but there was a final sacrifice, so we are inspired that we don't have to do it anymore. We are historically believing and understanding that they did sacrifice bulls or make sacrifices. It's historical truth. The historical application, the inspirational application, and the doctrinal application. Now, moving on to the kind of the fourth, the next step here kind of makes it number four, but it's not an application. We're going to be moving into prophecy tonight. So this has people really going, okay? It really can. And I'm going to give you all of the pros, cons, uh, some teachings that have been taught in the past and new ones and so forth. But to know prophecy about what applies to you and me, don't we first have to know who we are? Right? So, who are we? is very important to understanding prophetic scripture about us. Now, if you think the Jews are in Israel today, which are the Ashkenazian, Sephardic, Semite, Edomite, and before that they were called Canaanites, which were descended from fallen angels, if you think those people are Israelites, you're wrong. So prophecy about Israel is not about them, right? It's not about them. Prophecy about Israel is about us, the Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, and kindred tribes are 
the Israelites of old. A long time ago, my first exposure was at about the age of 14, 15. I think it was 15. And I wrote a book on, read a book on prophecy. It was just published. It's going to date me now. Okay, this was, I think it was in the 60s. Well, let's see. Yeah, I think it was. The book was called Late Great Planet Earth, and it was written by Hal Lindsey. What it did is it just fired me up. It really made me enthusiastic about having my faith strong or strengthened because it kind of made things real. (laughs) There were 15 million copies of that thing sold. And but we must understand that it teaches that there's something called a rapture. Now, since that time, and he also believes the Jews, which are Edomites slash Canaanites in Israel today, are not uh, are are the Israelites of old, and they're not. We've proven it genetically. We've proven it historically, behaviorally. I mean, you name it. We've got all kinds of over 200 prophecies about who Israel is, and Israel over there has fulfilled none of them. And we have 200 of them. By the way, for you to have your faith strengthened about who you are, just write for me. I have someone that can send you resources for free that helps you understand resources, little booklets, books and stuff, talking about who Israel is, and where did we lose this information. I'm going to go into that in just a second here. But just write me, groundcrew at unseen.is, and we will get you a packet of information, or I'll make it happen for you. I'll be needing an address, or at least allow me to take your email and forward it to this person so they can write you back. And you give them your information, and they'll send you something. You'll actually get something in the old way mail. (laughs) Where did Hal Lindsey get this book or the information from this book? And why does he believe what he believes? And I'm going to tell you why. I am not going to tell you that his doctrines and his teachings are correct because they're not. But they were very inspirational. He has a lot of good things. I mean, is there a tribulation? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get into that, too. But let me back up and tell you where this approach that Hal Lindsey had, or has still, came from. A long time ago, there was a Jesuit priest by the name of Francisco Ribera. And the Catholic Church was finding it very hard to counter the Protestant movement because they were too similar. And so, muckety-muck higher-ups in the Catholic Church says, we must counter the Protestants in certain beliefs. What can we do about this thing called uh, the tribulation? And, and, And so what they came up with, believe it or not, was a rapture doctrine. It's not really a doctrine. It's just a rapture ideology, a, a actual 
misdirection. And it's a twisting of information that has everybody concerned. Oh, they're going to be left, you know, behind. (laughs) But see, what we aren't told is that before that happened, that happened, by the way, to fuel the information to a certain group of people in, uh, I guess you could say, in ministry, pastors that were believing those Jesuit teachings ended up in the hands of Hal Lindsey. And it was those teachings from the Jesuits that has him teaching what the great late planet Earth wrote. Now, what I'm trying to say is the doctrine is wrong. Was it inspiring? Of course it was. Many people got inspired Many people had their strength fake, uh, their their faith strengthened. What they didn't know is that what they were taught wasn't accurate. Before Hal Lindsey, there were some great, great Protestant Reformation, and after that, leaders and teachers and pastors and preachers that. Many people respect, and uh, they taught that there was no rapture and that we saints would go through the rapture, and that means that we would go into and and experience this thing called the tribulation. And we're talking about people like Kendall, Wycliffe. Wycliffe's well-known as a translator that did a lot of mission work. Uh, Calvin, Billy Sunday, Dwight Moody, Luther, none of them believed in the rapture. Why? Because it wasn't taught until just recent. Well, who taught it? Well, these Jesuit uh, teachings um, basically taught this, that Israel was established in 1948. Now, that's what they believe. What was established was a group of people called Jews that actually weren't even going to call Israel the name of Israel they have today. It wasn't even going to be called that until somebody says, hey, why don't we call ourselves Israel? And so they took upon their identity true Israelite name of Israel. And so when they established it in 1948, all these preachers, like Al Lindsay, said, well, this is what we're going to hinge prophecy on because they established themselves after 2,000 years. Well, no, guess what? They're wrong. Because Israel established themselves before that. Because they're not Israel. So... What happened with this was the teachings about this from the Jesuits said that Israel was established in 1948 and that a generation would then pass and end and that would then have something called the rapture, take the saints away to heaven 
and then all the sinners would be left on the earth for the tribulation. Let me ask you a question. Since sinners are going to go, apparently, to hell anyway, <laughs> why do they have to go through hell, you know, go through this hell and then go through another hell? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. They're going to be judged. I mean, this isn't judgment time. This is tribulation. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And we're going to get into that. Why is it called that and everything? Well, it was supposed to end. This 1948 nation, there's a prophecy that says, that not a, a generation shall pass that he will return. And, and so in 1948, that meant that in 1981, Jesus was supposed to come back, and guess what? It didn't happen. So they've, you know, fell back, punted, and went to plan B. But they never did get rid of the rapture teaching or that they were Israel. Hey, maybe we got the wrong group of people that we've based, you know, this prophecy on. Maybe something's wrong here. So we have seen that it failed. Because the Catholic Church and its counter-teachings against the Protestants to make something more unique for the Catholic would not admit that Israel, in that meaning the Israel state of 1948, are not Israelites. They won't admit it. And they don't care. So what's the deal? Well, there are lots of teachings about the tribulation. There are a lot of things that attach themselves to this thing called the teaching of the tribulation. Like, is America in history? Although you'll hear, you know, lots of talk, and I'm going to play you an audio that says, and I may not have, I may not have left it in, but I cut it out, and if I did, I apologize. But there's a lot of teaching out there that says. Is America in Scripture? America is not in Scripture, but is it in Scripture? <laughs> well, they're trying to figure out, is America in Scripture? Of course America is in Scripture, it's in prophecy, because America is the re-established Israel. That's why it's in Scripture. It's not the... Sephardic Semite Nephilim descendants that have renamed that area. They were going to call it something else before they were going to call it Israel. They weren't even going to call themselves Israel until they saw that they could kind of pose as imposters and take advantage of it and say, well, you have rights to all this land. And here we have these Creats, I should say Cretans, taking and murdering people to get land. Is that what we're supposed to do? Oh, but they're going to be forgiven. Well, they're not. Let's just kind of put it in perspective, folks. If a Jew comes up and acts murders your grandmother, your wife, your child, your kids, do we forgive him because he's going to be forgiven by God? Well, he's not going to be forgiven by God because there is no redemption for Nephilim. And he broke the law. That does not mean the existing laws in place today are null and void just because somebody thinks they've got this wand, magic wand waving over them, and they're not even Israelites. 
but that's what they taught. And there are teachings saying a lot of things. Is America in Scripture? Yes, we are. Will Obama, uh, is there any secret Scripture saying that Obama is the last uh, president? It doesn't make any difference if he is. Not to the tribulation, because it's not hinged on who the president is, or if there is going to be a president, or, or an election process, and blah, blah, blah. It's not hinged on that. We don't have to look to that to get the information, okay? Are we believing things like that and get them confused? I'm going to play you audio that kind of talks about that. Now, here's what's important. Number one, in Scripture, about prophecy, never forget who the Israelites really are. And then you will know who they are and what Scripture then applies to them. (laughs) Isn't it incredible? When you don't know who you are, how can you, you know, how can you know what Scripture applies to you if you don't know, of course, you know, who you are? (laughs) Let me read to you James chapter 1, verse 1. And here's what it says. Now, James, of course, was a, a disciple. And he says here, James, and he's writing the letter, and it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Wait a minute. I thought the Jews were in Judah when Jesus was walking in Canaan land. No, the Nephilim had taken over the ancient Israelite stuff. There were a few Anglo-Saxon Israelites still left, like James. But they had basically scattered abroad already. And they became the European nations in America and so forth. So you will not know that James applies to you and me if you don't know that you're part of Israel, the 12 tribes. People think, oh, this is a scripture that they're going to, finally, the Jews are going to believe is written to them and it's going to save their souls. Well, you can't be saved when you're Nephilim because there's no plans for the fallen angels' children to be saved. And that's a fact. All right? So who are we and what are some of the things that get said about the tribulation? Let me play an audio now that kind of talks about things that kind of hang their hats around this time called the Great Tribulation and or the Tribulation. I'm going to define it for you. We're going to walk all the way through it in the next hour and a half. And we're going to stick right to the story. The audio that I'm playing may or may not be true. Some of it may or not be true. But this is the kind of stuff that you hear from teachings that get put out there. And I'm just going to play it for you to let you know, hey, 
This kind of stuff's out there. Do we believe it? Well, I'm going to let you decide after you hear the the uh, scripture and the walking through the great tribulation and the tribulation. Um, you can decide for yourself, but here we go. We will come to you with our weapons and explosives. You will not have safety even in the bedroom of your houses. You know, we play by the rules. They don't play by the rules. We're not going to have too many victories. Little do you know that Obama and the leaders of our church have a secret, sinister pact to hide from the public the most terrible warning encrypted inside our Holy Bible, the only prophecy that has remained obscured under thick veils to this day. Because according to the final chapters of the Bible, Obama will not finish his second term. He is the 44th and last president of the U.S. And our country and every American citizen are about to face their greatest bedevilment. From an enemy fiercer and more powerful than ISIS, Al-Qaeda, North Korea, and Iran combined, Obama himself is unaware of the extent of the massacre that is to come. And there is nothing anyone can do to prevent this from happening. This ancient prophecy is coded within the visions of four men. These four evangelists are John the Apostle, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel, they were chosen to give a very precise and terrifying warning of things to come in the end of times. This prophecy will fulfill the act of God, and the world as we know it will perish in flames. Therefore, before going any further, I must warn you, what you are about to see is deeply disturbing, because it will link current events to ancient biblical prophecies step by step. Once you discover the chilling evidence of the words of our Lord coming true, there is no turning back. It is a revelation so powerful when you see the biblical evidence that this great, unavoidable ruination will come to reality. It will simply be impossible for you to go about your daily life like you used to before knowing the truth. And it all starts with one simple question. Does it not seem odd to you that America, the richest and most powerful country today, the only country who has liberated other nations from evil, the greatest evangelical nation on the earth, is not even mentioned in the Bible? After all, as we know it, the Bible accurately predicts so many other historical events. The two world wars, man reaching outer space, all of these events were seen and described by the prophets in their writings. America played the key role in all of this. Let's address this. We heard uh, Trump talking about the Muslims 
and that they are attacking. We had Eli on last night saying that the Muslims have been used by the Jews to attack America. Okay? Is Obama going to make it through as a president through his second term? I don't know. But it doesn't make any difference whether he is or isn't. There is going to be a tribulation period. Who's going to mount that seat in this next election or never mount it? and this is the last, who knows? Who cares? The point isn't whether or not there's a president even in office or that we've lost our nation. The bottom line is there is going to be a time of Jacob's trouble. There is going to be tribulation. And then he says, is America? Why isn't it mentioned in prophecy? That's the question. It is. And you know why he doesn't know, or he, it's always said not to be mentioned? Well, of course, USA isn't, America isn't, but are Israelites? Of course, they're mentioned. That whole, you know what the Bible is, folks? It's a story about a king and his kingdom. That's what it's a story of. It's not a story about the Nephilim and their redemption. <laughs> it's the story of the redemption of Anglo-Saxon Israel. That's who it is. And so we must keep that in mind as we begin to explore this thing called the Tribulation. So what is the tribulation? Folks, the tribulation is the, a, the, will be a period that lasts for seven years. The first three and a half years are known as the birth pains. And that's very similar language, of course, to a woman who is beginning in her stages of labor before giving birth. There are signs of impending birth when those pains begin but they're just a little pain. More intense pain is yet to come. And so when we read passages about the tribulation, we see that there's the birth pains that begin, and then the last three and a half years are the final stages of the woman's labor during childbirth. And there is some very important information and relationships to what's being born then. Israel is being born. Now, what does that mean? Well, Israel has been... Let me ask you a question. When you read the Bible, even if you don't know who Israel is, have they ever kind of messed up and got in trouble with God, walked away from him, became heathen worshipers and had to be chastised, you betcha. They've been hauled off to Persia. <laughs> They've been hauled off to Babylon. And some of them said, I ain't going there. And so some of them split. And we had the northern ten tribes take off for Europe. But they've been in trouble gobs of times because they're not perfect. They're human. Actually, they're Adamic. And so they ended up failing. And guess what we were told? 
The Father will not prosecute you unless you're his. In other words, he gives us chastisement to bring us back into the fold. And as a nation, let me ask you, let's pretend for a minute America is the Anglo-Saxon of the world, Anglo-Saxon Israel that we talk about being Israel. Are they behaving okay? Have our Anglo-Saxon leaders protected the unborn? Have they fought against homosexuality and brought us moral codes we can live by? Did the founding fathers give us something? Yes, they gave us a beautiful nation. But you know what one of the founding fathers said? That this nation will not stand nor will it work unless the people are Christian, unless they are believers, unless they live by a moral code. Do you think America's been doing that? So no, since we haven't been, there's only a few that's paying attention. There is going to be a final chastisement to bring the Israelites back. He's going to bring us to the woodshed, and Dad's going to give Israelites a spanking. Now, there's going to be some that, you know, wrestle away, get mad and spit in the face and walk away. And then there's going to be others that are crying their eyes out and saying, I'm sorry, okay? There's going to be that. That is what's going to happen. And America is in the Bible. It's called Israel. We can talk about that some other time, but we're going to get rolling now with, basically, this seven-year period of time. Now, the tribulation is what the seven-year period is called, and it's divided into two parts. The first three and a half, during the birth pangs, about ready, you know, early pains of labor, and then the labor pains. That's the second three and a half years. The second three and a half, the second three and a half, the last half, is actually called, that portion is called the greater or the great tribulation, also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. So what does that mean? It means that the Jacob, who was renamed to who? Okay. Israel. It's known as the time of Israel's trouble. The greatest persecution of Israelite trouble in the history of the world. The persecution. It's not God's perfect. God's perfect will is that we never, ever would turn our back on him. But we have. But he has made provision for us to come back, and he guides us, with, maybe sometimes with that, you know, paddle in the woodshed. There's a time coming, the last one, for the nation of Israel, or America. The time of Jacob's trouble has nothing to do with Israel over there, this fake group called Israel today. It has to do with Israelites all over the world Western Europe is in is being persecuted, and the time of tribulation has begun. 
the birth pains have begun. Has the great tribulation begun? Not even close yet. I mean, it's not doing it yet. I'm not going to say it's not close. It's just not doing it. So let's start. And I'm going to talk to you about the introduction of the tribulation period by you know, reading some scripture passages and talking about related things. And then we're going to get right into the two, three and a half year periods and the scripture. We're just going to march from the beginning of it to the end of it with scripture, just like it lays it out. But if we go in Revelation 11, chapter 1 through 3, and I'm not going to read this scripture. I'm going to be reading scripture, but not this. We're given a description of two witnesses who are going to prophesy during the greater part of the last half. That's the last really terrible part. Okay? Now, you heard this man talk about there are four ministers, actually prophets, that talked about the tribulation. Who were they? Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and one great one called John the Baptist. Do you know that somebody named me this name? This, Of course, you know John Waterman's not my real name, right? That's my radio name to protect my family because of the persecution that we've been through, the death threats that we've had. But I wasn't the person that picked out the name. Somebody picked it out for me. And it was a reference to being a prophet and you know, being on the radio and saying it like Donald Trump kind of does a better job, I think. But anyway, John the Baptist was a prophet. And he talked about the times coming. He was one of the prophets. But of these two people, these two, there are people that say, no, no, no. The the two witnesses actually are Israel, the two houses of Israel. Look, folks, I'm not saying one or the other is correct. We have to quit that because there's perfect examples of historical applications okay of a 2000 year period of time of the persecution of the saints fitting right into the book of revelation but it also there's some things lacking because we haven't had a great earthquake rack hell and havoc upon the earth yet and that's part of the tribulation so there is a literal 7 year period of time and then there's a historical 2000 your application of the book of Revelation. And the witnesses, like many things, can be dual interpreted in two meanings, one being a a period of time or a group of people, but specifically also two very specific people. So when we talk about these specific people, one of them that's going to be coming back has the power to shut heaven and here's what it says. Power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. How much better can you get than to get people's attention by having trouble feeding people because there's no water and that things get kind of troubling? 
as I've already told you, the WebBot has very, very prophetic, apocalyptic um, language to it because it matches up with this kind of thing. This thing here that we're talking about is one of the prophets saying there's not going to be a rain. Now, who would that might be? Well, probably no no one other than Elijah who was translated. What's that mean? Translated means Elijah never died. He was taken up. That he might come again before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. And who will shut the heavens up for 42 months, which is three and a half years, which, of course, is exactly the length of time that a half of the the tribulation is. Now, there's another witness, though. This witness has and will have the power over waters to turn them to blood, to smite the earth with all plagues as often as he will. That's Scripture. Now, this then gives us a little bitty hint. If he's talking about plagues, who is rolling around Egypt (laughs) when there were plagues going? Well, it was Moses. So there's likely the other person. He's the only one mentioned in Scripture who had such power, and it was for a certain purpose. And did you know he was raised from the dead, or he? And did you know the father buried his bones? You read that in Jude, if you want. But but Moses and Elijah appear to be the guys that are going to be in this prophetic period of time. Did you know they were the only ones that also appeared at the Mount of Transfiguration with Christ? Let me say this again: after Christ had been teaching the disciples. He wanted to tell them who he was and teach them of what he was. And so he went to the Mount, what we call now the Mount of Transfiguration, and he lifted off the earth and went into his glory form, okay, like he would be after he had been crucified and resurrected, only to be accompanied by two others in the sky. And the disciples saw, and those two people were Moses and Elijah. Now, during their witnessing, they will have the power to destroy their enemies with fire. Then they can issue this right out of their mouths. But at the end of this 1260-day period of time, just like Christ... They're, they they had all this power. Christ had all this power. But they're going to be murdered. Their bodies will lay exposed in the streets. You can apply that to the historical application of the Israelites will be destroyed as a nation. Yeah, we will. They will rise and ascend to heaven. Everybody's going to be really amazed, and everybody's going to be amazed too when Israel, the nation, who gets brought to the woodshed comes out okay. So let's read some passages. Matthew twenty four twenty one talks about the beginning of this. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever.
never shall be. In other words, this is going to be a period of time that has been so bad, it was worse than the slain of people in East German Stasi, the communists in Russia, and so forth. And except that those days be shortened, there would there should, excuse me, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake in those days shall be shortened. There are some people who would interpret that this passage in Matthew means, you know, the fall, like I was talking to you about historical application, the fall and destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. in the hands of the Romans. Now that could fit. But it's not the only application. The tribulation Jesus is referring to is the great tribulation that we yet have coming. So, we were talking about some of these prophets. Remember, the Bab- John the Baptist, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Let's, talk, let's go to Jeremiah. So, if you go to Jeremiah 34 through 6. Now, you don't have to write all this down. This is just an intro, okay? It says this that it is the time of Jacob's trouble. Remember I said that? Jeremiah 30, 4 and 6. And it's compared to, like I said, the birth pains of a woman. All right? So let's look at Ezekiel. What's he saying? If you go to Ezekiel twenty six thirty four, it says, it is spoken of, excuse me, as the time when, guess who? Israel shall pass under the rod. We Israelites in America are going to the woodshed. And it's just about here, folks. And how do we know that? Because America is in deep doo-doo. We're economically in trouble. We've got enemies all over this planet because, guess what? We allowed Nephilim to come and take us over. They infiltrated us. They're called Jews. In Ezekiel 26:34, it's spoken of a time we're going to come under the under the rod. Rod is chastisement, punishment. In Ezekiel 22, verse 19 through 21, we'll read how God is going to cast intra, uh, Israel into a melting pot, and there we're going to be refined. We're going to the woodshed, folks, so that He can correct our immorality, not to destroy us. You can find uh, Malachi 3, 1 through 3, Zechariah uh, is also talking about, but Daniel speaks of a time of trouble for his people. And you can look for that in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And I'll be getting this stuff out to you, but uh, let, me, let me go through. Uh, I'm, I'm not really concerned that you, you know, read, we're not going to be reading all this passage until we get started here. <laughs> the Great Tribulation, folks, is something that has to do with Israelites. That's what I'm getting at. And it's a judgment through which they must pass in refinement. And the prophet Daniel in his vision of the 20, uh, 70 weeks was told it would be 69 weeks from the going forth of the edict to restore and rebuild unto Messiah the Prince. Now, those are prophetic weeks in which each week stood for actually seven years. But they were literally fulfilled 
guess what? Right before they were completely fulfilled, Jesus was crucified. And so one week was left yet unfulfilled, the 70th week. During that last week, or the seventh week, the 70th week is now what we are calling the tribulation. It's the weeks of already fulfilled. It's the 70th week of where 69 have already passed, but it's seven years in length. The length of the tribulation period is seven years, Matthew 24, 22. Okay? Now, there are a lot of people that say, you know, it was shortened for the elect's sake, the days that were shortened. Now, that could mean two things, that the remnant was taken up at the midpoint during the last part, in, right before the end they're taken up, and they don't go through the last part. They get into some of it, they come out of the woodshed, and they go, okay, and they get rescued, so to speak, but they go into it. The other means that the days themselves are literally shortened from 24 hours a day to something less, which might actually fit scenarios like Planet X coming by. And we have Jeremiah likely writing some books called Enoch that said that there is going to be the destroyer come. That's Planet X. So what do we got? We're going to get now into Revelations. Revelation talks about a series of seals that are going to be opened that trigger certain events. And those seals occur in the first three and a half years of this thing called the tribulation. And it's the first half of Daniel's 70th week. So let me get started. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read some stuff to you. And this comes from a chart, and you can go ahead and and I'll, and I'll drop this little document in the chat room for you. But if you look over on the left-hand side, we're going to write about six lines, okay? In the end times, there's going to be all kinds of things happening. Matthew 24, 21 says this, For then shall be a great tribulation, such was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor shall be. Daniel 1, 12, 1 says, And at the time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as was never, was never, let me say it again, such as never was since there was a nation to that same time. Matthew twenty four twenty nine says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. These are all passages outside of Revelations. And we can see that there are certain events in this apocalyptic time frame. There's going to be false prophets or false Christs, antichrist. That's in Matthew 24, 5, uh, verse 5, Matthew 23 through 26 chapters. You can also read the same story in Mark 13, verse 6, chapters 21 and 23. It's also in Luke 21. That's all about false prophets during this apocalyptic time. There's going to be wars. Next line, second line. There's going to be wars, famine, and earthquakes. 
You can find passages in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Revelation on that. The next line is, Great Tribulation of Believers. It's found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Revelation. The gospel by Israel is preached to all the nations. And then there's astronomical signs of the end. That's in Matthew, that's in Mark, that's in Luke, that's in Revelations. And then, of course, there's the return of Christ. Revelation is not revelations of events. Revelations is not what it's called. It's called revelation. Who is it of? It's the revelation of the Son, the Father's only Son, the real, true King of Israel. Okay? So, I'm going to drop this little chart in the chat, and you can have your scripture passages. And uh, we're doing that, of course, by the way, in uh, Unseen, where you can get there if you want to. You can write to me and ask to be added to it. Be glad to um, put you... Um, let me see if I've got the right document here. Yep, that's it. And uh, be glad to um, add you to the chat room. There you go. Now, let's get into... The Tribulation According to the Book of Revelation. The Tribulation According to the Book of Revelation. That's where I've been wanting to get to. The Book of Revelation. There are seven seal judgments. There are seven trumpet judgments. And there are seven bowl or vial judgments. Now these judgments devastate the earth. And they're not just about Roman provinces, which it can apply to. But it's about a specific end-time period, very short period, in which the tribulation, during this tribulation period, oceans become blood. Most of the sea life dies. Plagues happen. Hailstones are released. And darkness covers the earth. This also is stuff that you find being described <laughs> by Cliff High. It's being described by people saying, well, what could happen to this planet if there's planet X? All of that could happen. So let's talk about the seals. First of all, the seals are the only thing that happens in the first three and a half years. But that doesn't mean it's fun, folks. So let's get with it. Where are they and where do they start? Let's go to it. It's Revelations. Chapter 6, verse 2, this is the first seal, and it says that there is a conqueror with a peace plan, basically. Let me read it. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that rode on that horse had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Folks, he didn't have the crown until he got on this horse. And he has a bow. You can interpret a lot about that. He's not got a sword. He's got a bow. So he's not doing close-up fighting. He's doing distance fighting. So we can kind of infer that is maybe what this person is like. Well, what's the second seal? Well, it's in Revelation chapter 6, verse 3. Here's what it says. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. 
Well, what did he see? Well, let's read it and see. (laughs) Verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld. That's John, the revelator. And and he he beheld and to a black horse... (laughs) And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. We can infer a lot by balances. There could be (laughs) things being weighed in judgment. It could be meaning economic problems, that kind of thing. Let's move on. The fourth seal. This is in Revelation verse or Revelation 6 still, verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of four, the fourth beast say, Come and see. Well, what did he see? Well, let's go see what he saw. Woo, boy, the fourth beast. The fourth beast. Well, death was released. Basically, a quarter of the world's population is going to die probably by plagues, disease, and beasts of the earth. Beasts of the earth may be not what you think. See, Nephilim are considered beasts. The fifth seal, persecution and mass killing of God's people worldwide. Why do we think we're going to escape stuff? Chapter 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now we're only five steps into seven here. So what's the sixth seal? Well, it's in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Folks, what do you think is going to happen if we have a huge earthquake? Maybe some volcanoes go off. I mean, huge earthquake, and the sky just gets dark as all get out, right? Revelation 7, I mean uh, the seventh seal, Revelation 7, verse 2, that's the seventh seal. Let's just read it. And I saw another angel descending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Whoa. That's pretty big stuff. Big stuff. Now that brings us kind of rapidly through the first three and a half years. So let me kind of back up. The first four seals basically are known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. One's a white one. One's a red one. 
Okay, they have different colors, right? And what do these different horses do? Well, one comes to conquer, one has war, then the scales basically are economic trouble, and then plagues and death hit the planet with the last one. And that's kind of a dapple, gray, putrid-colored horse. I think we're setting on this period of time of economic trouble. I think the third seal has been busted, maybe, and is on the way. Maybe the fourth seal is right on its heels. But basically, these four horses are just basically given authority to do pretty bad stuff. And they had to be given authority by the Father to do it, or they weren't allowed to do this. Yeah, at the at the worldwide level. We're talking about, you know, a quarter of the population is going to die by plagues during the tribulation in the first half. So let's get into the next. Then there's a break, and there's other things talking about there's a pause in heaven, okay? And it kind of is quiet for a moment, okay, that kind of stuff. But we're just going to go right into these seals, trumpets, bowls, and uh, bowls slash vials, whatever you want to call them. So let's go to Revelation 8. It's the first trumpet. And let me get it open here. Hang on. All right. 8, verse, chapter 8, verse 1 of Revelation, and he had opened the seventh seal, and there was silence in heaven for about the space of a half hour, half an hour. So all this first half, tremendous things happening, and then there's this, at the very end, right before plagues begin, is this big earthquake. Now, doesn't that make sense, folks? You have an earthquake that just devastates things. And then what happens when that kind of devastation happens? What do you see on the scenes of war-torn countries, people that are in war where they're just literally devastated, no infrastructure, no care, no hospitals? You see disease, no clean water. Do you see where I'm going? So it makes sense that after this great earthquake, there's huge amounts of disease. That's the first half. And we're just in the birth pains. It's already bad enough, isn't it? Here we go. Verse 1. Well, we read it, right? We read that. So there's this quiet time after all that, like, take a deep breath here, get ready for the worst. And so what is the worst? Let's run on down here to actual verse uh, 7 of chapter 8. The first angel sounded, this is a trumpet, remember these are the trumpets, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth. In other words, the planet Earth is going to get beat to death. And a third part of the trees were burnt up. This is reading the scripture now. I didn't. I mean, that was a little commentary there. Let me continue the scripture. 
and the third part of the trees were burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. In other words, folks, the planet's going to take a, a beating. And that's why people are, when you read this in context and in the full story, there's people underground, scared to death, underground, hiding. So it looks like there's going to be something hitting us. Is it going to be from the earthquake and the and the volcanoes? No, that's probably already happened. Well, anyway, now we might have this attack. What will this be from? Maybe it's Planet X and all the debris that comes with it. I don't know. The second trumpet, though, comes right behind that, and it's uh, verse 8 of chapter 8, and here's what it says. And the second angel sounded, and it was... And as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And a third part of the sea became blood. In other words, some humongous piece of dirt, like a mountain, hits planet Earth. Almost like maybe it did historically many times before, but... You know, that created like uh, supposedly the uh, Gulf of Mexico. But if it's going to hit the planet and it hits water, what do you think is going to happen? Tidal waves, right? Anyway, it's going to cause trouble in the water and a third part of the sea became blood. That's what it says. Now, there are, on there, at this point you go, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think that's true. Well, it's the death of the waters from the creatures dying that causes the blood. But let me explain something to you. There's a, a rule in Bible study. Not, not These aren't the applications. This is the rule of Bible study, and here's what it is. Always take the Bible literally unless you cannot take it literally. In other words, there's two ways that you can take it literally, or you can't. One is when it says this is a parable, so you don't take it literally. It's just symbolic. There were uh, ten virgins. There were the parable of the sowers of the wheat, you know, that kind. Those are parables. They're stories. They're to teach a lesson. They're not historical, and they're not to be uh, actual, actually literal. Let me give you the one that everybody in the Catholic Church takes literally. Jesus was at the Last Supper. And the scripture says this, and he picked up the wine and held it out and said, Behold, this is my blood. It can't be his blood. It's a cup of wine. So we can't literally take it because we were already told it was a cup of wine he was holding. What it meant was he wants you to do this in remembrance by drinking wine because it represents his blood. So that is a way when we read it in context, we'll know whether or not we can interpret it literal. But you always interpret it literal unless it's impossible to or it doesn't make any sense in context to say, oh, well, that's his blood in that cup. No, you got told it was wine. And then he picks up the bread, and he breaks it and says, this is my body. No, it did all of a sudden it turn into his uh, little finger? No. 
It was bread representing his body. So, But remember this. Here's the rule. Interpret the Bible literally unless you can't. So let me ask you this. What about this passage here that we just read? Is it literal or not? And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. Folks, there's nothing here saying, oh, this isn't literal. This is literal. And a third part of the sea became blood. It doesn't mean it turned red and that they poured wine in it. No. This is literal. Always interpret it unless in context you just can't. Let's go to the next one. Revelation chapter 8, verse 10, is where we find the third trumpet. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning, as it were, a lamp, and it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains uh, of the waters. Now, we're going to read the second part of this because it's important. And the name of this star is called Wormwood, and a third part of the waters became Wormwood. Now, Wormwood means bitter. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Now, a lot of people say, well, this star that fell is a fallen angel. Um, I don't think we have to argue over the possibility that it could mean both. But we literally are told something here, and it didn't say like a blah, blah, blah. It said, there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. Now that looks like to me some big old fiery hunk of rock splashing into planet Earth, doesn't it? And it caused a lot of trouble. It could be poisoned, and it caused our water to be really, really messed up. All right. Let's go to, let's see, where am I at now? (laughs) Okay. Well, let's see here. We went to 11. Let's go to let's go to verse 12 now for the fourth trumpet. And the fourth angel sounded and a third part of the sun was smitten and a third part of the moon and a third part of the stars so as a third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it and night likewise. In other words, folks, Something's going to happen to our atmosphere, or it's going to be in the air. When we look up, we won't be able to see the sun because it's going to be blighted from our view. Uh, also, we won't be able to see the moon. We aren't going to be seeing the stars because a third of them won't be visible, either because it's so dirty or something's blocking them. If it just said the sun, we could be thinking of something passing between the sun and the earth to block it, but it's also talking about the moon and the stars. The stars are all the way around the earth, kind of like a light bulb glows every direction from the light bulb. It goes up, it goes down, it goes sideways, it goes, 
you know, every direction. Well, stars are every direction from the planet. They're north, they're south, they're east, they're west, they're that way, they're this, and they're all covered. That means something is in the air. From this fourth trumpet. Wow. So we're going to go now to chapter 9 to get the fifth trumpet. And it's of chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth trumpet sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Hmm. That doesn't sound good. Why do we... Why is this so important? Because, folks, if you're a Bible reader, if you've read your Bible, you know there's this history. What is the history in the Bible? Well, way back in the Old Testament, there was these guys called fallen angels. And they got in big doo-doo for coming to the planet Earth. Now, not all of them came. When they fall, when they were cast away from where the Father was, from heaven, if you want to call it that, they then were no longer there, and they were prohibited from going to earth, and some of them did. And they ended up at Mount Hermon. You can read that in Jude. It's just a real short book, so you can read all about that in the book of Jude, about the fallen angels coming. And what happened to these guys after they disobeyed? Well, they got locked up in this thing called the bottomless pit, and that happened to be where? In the earth. So then there's the star that came from heaven, and it was given him. Now we're talking about a person, it sounds like to me, doesn't it, you? That had the key of the bottomless pit. And he, not a thing. The next verse says, and he. So we're now not talking about a dirt star. We're talking about a rock falling. No. Looks like we're talking about a star. Now, some of these angels and fallen angels are called stars. Anyway, he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of the great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke from the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, there are some people saying that these are the Muslim hordes. Historically, they are going to be released upon us, but they're going to be released everywhere. It's a thought. That means we're into this tribulation thing further than we thought, because we're past the halfway point then. This is in order. This is in the second half. All right, so we read that. Let's go on down here to verse 13. We've got a little story you can read there and get in between. There's a lot more commentary, but let's go to the next one. Right before we go to 13, let's read 12, because it says 1 in chapter 9, verse 12 of Revelation, it says, one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. There's two more yet coming. 
So let's read 13, and it says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying, and then in verse 13, saying to the sixth angel, which hath the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Hmm, wow. Well, what actually happens then? Well, let's read 15. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay a third part of the men of the planet. Now, how big an army is this? Well, it's in the next verse, chapter 16, or verse 16 of chapter 9, says the number of this army of the horsemen was 200,000. That's how many there were. Do you know what that is? That's 200 million strong. That's how big this thing, army, is. There's only one nation in the world that can field or put 200 million soldiers at war, and it's China. So is it them, or is it demonic hordes? All I know, folks, is who cares? <laughs> who cares? They're going to kill a third of mankind. That's what's going to happen. Who cares who it is? Well, you will want to, as you become a scholar, you'll go, okay, well, now who are these people? All right. We looked at uh, verse 13, read up through 15, and oh, the story continues. But let's jump ahead now. Let's go to chapter 16, because there's a lot of narrative about all this stuff going on, but we're just going through, we just went through the trumpets. Now, the trumpets have ended. That was the sixth trumpet, okay? Um, there are seven, actually, but we're going to go now into the first bowl, because I want to make sure I get through all this. I'm looking at the time. Let's just jump right into it. So... Right now, if you wanted to kind of make and jot a note down or write it down, is you can start reading the seals in chapter 6 and a little bit into 7. Then you can get into the trumpets in chapter 8 and 9. And then you can read all the way to the end of 9. And if you wanted to jump now to chapter 16, you'll be in the bowls. Okay? So that's the order that they come in. And so what have we got? Well... The first bowl is in verse 2 of chapter 16. <clears throat> and the first, meaning an angel, went and poured out his vial upon the earth. Bowl or vial, whatever you want to call it. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men, which had taken the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. So, whoever had taken the mark of the beast is going to get a sore, a grievous. That means one that can make you deadly sick. And those that worshipped him. Wow. Now that's different, right? Well, the second bowl is right there in... Um, Let's see here. 
the third verse. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of the dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. Every living thing in the sea died. Wow. In other words, you know, fresh water might turn to blood and there's no more drinking fresh water. It's going to be kind of tough, isn't it? Wow. This is when it goes beyond prepping, folks. And your only hope is the Father. All right. Whoa. Let's go to uh, uh, verse 8 for the fourth seal. That's where we're at, isn't it? Verse 8. Run on down here. Let me move it. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, not the earth, upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Okay, Let's talk about this. There's something in some circles talking about sun troubles. We have remote viewers saying there's going to be the kill shot. What's that? It's a series of solar flares that's going to, like, be a blowtorch. Folks, this is not a a stream of particles that hit the planet that cause, you know, an EMP thing. It's like taking a blowtorch to a tennis ball, and you're only holding the tennis ball about three inches from the blowtorch. The fire of the sun itself is going to hit the sun-facing side of the planet. It's going to scorch everything. Your only chance of living through it is to probably be underground or something. Or to be in the good graces of the Father and part of the remnant who will be protected. By the way, there is hope. (laughs) So, in verse 9, it says, And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had the power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. In other words, all you had to do was repent, and God would remove the plague. That's what it's inferring here. But there are people still not doing it. What he's doing is he's paddling people in the woodshed. There are Not everybody's going to repent, folks. There's going to be a lot of repenting, but not all. All right, now let's see what else we got here. Uh, Let's see. Oh, the fifth bowl. Well, what do we got in the fifth bowl? The fifth bowl is in verse 10, and it says, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain. Now, a lot of people have in their mind animals. Well, that could be true. But when you know who you are, and you are an Israelite, by the way, the ground crew are Israelites. 
So the beast of the field, the beast, are the descendants and the children of Lucifer. The fifth angel poured out his file upon the seat of the descendants of Lucifer. Who are they? They're Nephilim descendants. Who are they? They are Canaanites. Who are they? They were Edomites. Well, who are they today? The Jews. In other words, the seat, wherever the Jews are. And that kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their teeth for pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores and repented. Now, of course they're not going to repent of their deeds. Well, what were their deeds? Well, we could start listing the Federal Reserve. <laughs> we could go on and on in the agony that they put the planet on, uh, through. I mean, we have Chinese. They're not fallen angels. We have blacks. They're not fallen angels. Even they have suffered at the hands of these tormentors. All right. The sixth one. The sixth bowl is in verse 12. It's right down there. It says, Sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great Euphrates, and the water thereof dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. That the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. If you know where the Euphrates is, it happens to be over there like Iraq, Iran area. Over there, okay? East of Israel, of the fake Israel. And that river dries up. Well, who is east of that? Well, we used to call them Mongols, Mongolian hordes, which was kind of a mix or mutt of the Semite people that we call Arabs and Jews today, and Chinese. So what is east, east of all that? Well, you have the Mongols, and then you have China. And it says then that the way of the kings... Let's read it. Let's just read it. And the sixth seal was poured out upon the great Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings, plural, of the east may might be prepared. So we're probably going to get Mongols and um, Chinese miffed, and they're going to prepare. What are they going to do? Well, I think maybe they're going to go after a group of people that you and I know as Edomites slash Jews, because they've had it. And you don't have to be a Bible believer to understand that the Jews cause trouble, do you? You really don't. They have a reputation without any scriptural, biblical, Christian teaching whatsoever. You can figure out that. They have a reputation. It's such a bad reputation that 200 nations in the world in our history books, and who knows before that, 200 nations have kicked them out of their countries because they have a propensity within their genetic makeup to be parasites upon the people. It doesn't make any difference if those parasites are 
Chinese or blacks or their favorite people to suck off of Anglo-Saxon Israelites. Doesn't make any difference. Now, don't get me wrong. Redemption is for the Israelites. It's for the Israelites. It's not for the Edomites. Is it for the Chinese and the blacks? That's for a whole nother lesson. <laughs> All right. Wow. So, oh boy. Hmm. That's pretty. It says the armies then head toward the Middle East for the final battle, it says here. You know, basically, folks, there's going to be a big fight. But you know what? That doesn't mean they're going to go to Israel only. Who supports Israel? Who? What bunch of idiots in Washington, D.C. are giving money to Israel? You know what? The Chinese are going to come after America. They're in the east. We're in the west. They're going to march west. That means, folks, they're going to attack America. The perception of the Chinese is that America and Israel are tied together tightly. Well, no, we're not. We're not supposed to be. We've just been taken over. All right, let's continue. We've got one more bowl here. Um, bowl 7. What's the seventh bowl? You can look at it in chapter 16, verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice from the temple of heaven, from the throne, saying, It is done. So let's read this. I think this is interesting. And there were voices and thunders and lightning, and then there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great, wow, that the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nation fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give her the cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Babylon, folks, the Babylonians left Babylon, some of them, and they infiltrated Israel, and Babylonians are known as Jews today. See, when you know who the enemy is, when you know who you are but you don't know your enemy, you'll win half the battles. If you know the enemy, but you don't know who you are, you'll win half the battles. But when you know who the enemy is, and you know who you are, you will understand 100% the application of this story. The destruction of the Jews is written in the Scripture and is being planned as we speak. <laughs> Whoa. During this period, Scripture says saints are killed by all the nations. Wow. That's something to really look forward to. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Folks, there's a remnant 
There is a remnant. You can repent now and become part of the remnant, and you will not be part of that remnant that goes to the woodshed. Now, does that mean you will not get to participate in getting your head lopped? Not necessarily. There have been, there have been wonderful saints. <laughs> look at Jesus Christ himself. Of course, he had to be crucified for our salvation. But look at the disciples. They were crucified. Did you know what they did with John, the revelator that wrote the book of Revelation? Do you know what they did? They boiled him in oil. And then they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. It's very interesting to read the entire book. In fact, you'll, if you do read that, I recommend that you keep in mind who you are and who the enemy is. And there are stuff like he... there's. There's passages where it says he was standing in a grassy knoll and there were chariots going to and fro, opposite directions. You know what that is to me? He was translated into the future or time traveled to the future by the Father and said, looky here, there's cars going this direction on the front of the median. You're standing out here in this grassy part and there's cars going to and fro and they were horseless carriages, folks. John didn't know what the heck he was looking at. More than likely, folks, because America is Israel. America is God's chosen people, and all he wants us to do is accept his invitation to be his kids, and he'll take care of us. I Look, folks, if you've ever had any kind of authority at all, and you have had to be responsible for people's lives like I have, you'd gladly hand it over to somebody that knows more about it, and you just enjoy the ride. Do you really have to be in charge? Yes, you will actually want to be in charge if you don't put that ego away and let God be in charge. Because he does not... Ultimately, folks, you can you have the perfect, you have a choice, you have free will, and you can be without God, and you can be your own God. But do you know at this moment, as you say that, how to make a universe? Do you know how to make your own dirt? Do you know how to create a life from nothing? Well, I'd suggest that maybe before you decide to be you know, doing things your way, that you figure all that out ahead of time. Or better yet, why don't you just take the contract and say, let God deal with it. It's better just to be his. I want to be a child of the king. You can be a princess. You can be a prince. (laughs) It can't get any better. It's all he wants. And he's going to remove from all of this existence, our enemies that have plagued us. He's going to remove what sin did to us, which gave us death and agony and pain. He's going to remove that. And he's going to give us the exact same kind of body or existence that Christ had 
after he was crucified and was resurrected from the grave, where he could walk through a door, yet still eat fish fillet with the disciples, enjoy the wine, and then poof, he went somewhere else. Isn't that what you want? He's got a mansion for each one of us. He knows exactly what's in our hearts. He knows how and what to please us with. And in the meantime, we will be in an existence that won't be making us a slave. We'll still be able to do stuff like, look, you'll be able to spend time with your loved ones because there's no time there. At the same time that you're spending eternity with loved ones, you can be right in front of the Father, worshiping and enjoying his presence at the same time because there is no time. Wait a minute. What did I just say? You can be in more than one place at once. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's like that's like omnipresent. That's like God. Uh, that's what happened here is you will be in an existence that has no time, no laws that apply to us like Adam and Eve had. They were stuck to the planet. You didn't see them jump into another planet that I know of. They didn't go zipping around. They stayed on the planet. They could have lived forever, but guess what? They fell. But now the Father has even made a better way than what Adam and Eve had. We don't have to participate in this thing called the Great Tribulation unless, you know, you check out. You can do that, I guess. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you know why? Because the Father, the Scripture says this, that those that are waiting to see the return of Christ himself are those saints that make it through to the end. In other words, that we endure the Tribulation not get out of it and seen before it starts, but through it. And just have faith that the Father is going to, if you've prepared for bad times, somehow or other, he makes the other end of the stick. You don't even have to reach halfway, folks. He reaches the rest of it. How many times have you needed things you did everything you could, and then finally, miracles happen and things happen in your lives. Well, I can tell you that happens to Susan and I, and we thank the Father that it does. And I have no doubt that during this time called the Great Tribulation, three and a half years, that the Father is going to make a way for his remnant. It says that the elect of the remnant, they will try to deceive us. But if you have a good heart and you understand this, then guess what? You'll be okay. But even if you die, you'll be okay. Well, enough preaching from somebody that's does a poor job of preaching. I just wanted to walk you through those scriptures. Once again, here's what you read. Okay, let's just kind of go through it real quick. Just go through 
start at chapter 6 of Revelation, go through 7, go through 8, go through 9, then jump to 16. Once you read those, you've gone through all the tri- the the the, uh, the, the uh, seals, the trumpets, and the vials or bulls. And then I suggest you go all the way back to the beginning of Revelation and read the whole thing in order. It's quite a story. Just remember who you are, that we're Israel, the beast, are those guys calling themselves Israel today? And you'll get it all done right. Hey, let me ask you. We just read... (laughs) We just read this thing called the, the tribulation period passages. Does this not sound like the stuff that we're hearing from Cliff High to a certain extent? It's unbelievable, isn't it? That's why I look at Cliff High stuff. I go, okay, how's it fit? How's it fit? Folks, it's fitting because you know why? It's going to happen. They didn't say in Scripture, oh, there will not be a tribulation. Here's what will stop a tribulation or Jacob's trouble. Here's what it would take. Israel, true Israel, America, would have to repent. Are we going to repent? My 60-some-odd years on this planet tell me something. From my experience, I don't think this nation will repent, but there will be a remnant that will honor him, give him the glory, and they will be okay. Hey, guess what? One of the things that we were told, and I'm seeing it in the chat room, is that when... That, that Bitcoin was going to just make a run real fast through the 600. Do you remember that? It wasn't even 600 at the time. And boom, I said, I think uh, yesterday even, I said, watch out. When it gets through 700, things are going to happen. Um, I just got a message in the chat. Bitcoin, $710. That's U.S. fiat dollars. And 11 cents. It's a, It's taken off, folks. It's Started. Now, what's next? This was the temporal marker for the explosion of silver to take off. It's on the way. Silver is next, and then so will gold. Man, this is going to be very interesting. After all this, watch for the Saudis to have trouble. Saudi Arabia people, we talked about that with Eli, James. And when that happens, then the dollar collapses. Oh, wait a minute. Bitcoin's now 713.89. It's almost 714. It's going to be very interesting, isn't it? Well, that's what I've been promising you for a long time. I just wanted to talk about the passages of the tribulation, tell you, get you a little flavor about what it sounds like. Now, is it historical? Yes. But is it literal in the end? Yes, it's both. Don't get in fights with people because you have a position one way or the other, because it's both. It's been my pleasure to be with you, of course. And, uh, hey, well, I was blessed today because I didn't have to worry about the board going down and unplugging and switching things over. The only thing I'm going to check into is the lights. And, hey, I've got this big fancy warranty. I can get it replaced. If, it, if it'll work. I mean, if they have one that works. Uh, maybe they've got some kind of paw that they all aren't working and they'll have to get it to me later. But, hey, it's working. 
and you could hear and it didn't have to worry about going, you know, it didn't fade out or nothing. Isn't that great? Maybe I ought to go to the New York uh, Jewish district or the Muslim area and sell the old mixer. <laughs> I'd sell it and run real fast. <laughs> All right. It's been my pleasure. See you tomorrow. It'll be uh, same time, 7 p.m. Eastern, and, of course, we will be um, um, on both of them again, both being, uh, you know, the uh, free conference call and talk show. It's been my pleasure. Folks, remember, I'm not a pastor. I'm just John Waterman. Bye-bye. Coming back on here right before uh, we end here to say that uh, Cliff High's uh, posting some information, folks. Some of these bookmarks, temporal markers about our economy are underway as we speak. It says the first truck Wujo, Bitcoin, gold, silver, Terra stuff. That's the you know earth changes. Wow, things are getting underway, he said. So uh, you can go to uh, uh, Twitter, 
In fact, I'll put the link in the chat. In fact, I'll put them in both chats. And you can go there and uh, look at uh, look at what he's got to say and uh, see for yourself. All right. I'll let you go. Here we go. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.